every day, every time she swept the floor, she said, I know I'm going to be an accountant for years. That is what keeps me. I know I'm going to be a good baker. And, and if I use the inspiration from her, those words that she tells me, she made it, man. She, dude, she got her accounting degree. I think she was 45. She got her degree, man. And she has a great senior accounting job because she believed, man, she, she grinded. She raised four kids, she cleaned houses, she did everything. Um, that's my inspiration. This is the Sourdough Podcast, the show about the innovators, leaders, and creative minds in the sourdough community and the stories behind the bread. I'm Mike Kilburn. On this episode, Brian Ford, aka Artisan Brian, tells us about his journey from accountant to baker. He shares how realizing his dream of becoming a baker has led him to rediscover his Honduran heritage. He talks about his successes and failures and the inspiration he draws from his family and community as he strives to help people make delicious bread while staying in touch with his roots. Just a quick community message. If you listened to my interview with Bonnie O'Hara, you'll remember Bonnie's praise for her local grain grower, TNA Farms. Adam Novicki is the A of TNA Farms, and he and his partner, Therese, recently began their journey to recovery after Adam received a cancer diagnosis late last year. Adam is currently undergoing chemotherapy treatments and is unable to maintain working as a wheat farmer and beekeeper. Please consider supporting Adam and Therese during this tough time by contributing to a GoFundMe account set up on their behalf. Let's help Adam get back on his feet so he can continue his vital and inspiring work in creating a local grain economy here in California. You can find a link to his support page on the Sourdough Podcast website. While you're there, be sure to check out my gear page for helpful recommendations on a collection of items that I have found helpful or essential when baking my sourdough at home, as well as my top sourdough cookbook recommendations. Have you been inspired by the stories you've heard on the podcast? If so, please consider supporting it by contributing any amount on my support page. Your support would help me in my goal to continue bringing you better and better content and help mitigate some of the expenses of maintaining the website and equipment needed to run the Sourdough Podcast. It's as easy as clicking on the support button and selecting an amount. Or, if you're short on funds, you can always support the podcast by sharing with your friends on social media or by rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. As always, don't forget to post your best Sourdough pictures on Instagram and tag me or use the hashtag Sourdough Podcast and I'll pick my favorites to share on my page. And be sure to stay tuned after the episode for new music from Weston Perry. Now, back to the episode. All right, my guest this evening is Brian Ford. Brian is a baker in Miami, Florida. In his former life, Brian was a licensed CPA, following in his mother's footsteps before deciding to pursue his calling as a baker. Brian is a proud Honduran American, born in the Bronx, grew up in New Orleans, and he regularly shares his recipes that celebrate his roots on his website and with his 14,000 Instagram followers, uh, like his sweet pan de coco bread and the New Orleans favorite king cake, both incorporating natural fermentation. Brian, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Hey, man. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to, to talk with you tonight. 
on well, this I, it's a Friday I, night. It's uh, eight o'clock in Miami. It's uh, after work hours in California. So it's uh, we'll have a, l- a little fun. Uh, start off our weekend, hopefully. Yeah, man. Cheers. <laughs> so, Brian, I, you know, I started uh, seeing you pop up on my feed a few months on Instagram a few months ago. And I was like, who is this Honduran guy uh, from New Orleans in Miami baking up this amazing sourdough, you know, sharing all these great recipes in Spanish and in English. <laughs> uh, you know, and then I saw your, your pan de coco recipe. And I was like, man, I got to try this. It just looks so good. Uh, you know, my wife actually can't do dairy. So I've, I'm always feeling guilty when I try new recipes that have right. butter in it and uh and it was just a, a huge hit, super fun to make, and uh, the kids loved it. My wife liked it. No, I'm um, so yeah, it was so delicious. Um, I think what was most enticing about that recipe was that you know I've I've worked and traveled in Latin America, and, and I just never had heard about it before. Right. Uh, was that was that something you grew up uh, eating? Um, I, I would say that we definitely ate it, but it wasn't. Uh, we we ate more semitas, which is which is another uh, Honduran bread that I'm still tweaking that sourdough recipe. But um, we ate a lot of semitas. We we had pan de coco for sure, um, but it, it it's a bread that Hondurans are very proud of. It's a bread that you can find in the streets. You can find I mean, you can find it all over New Orleans. Um, you can find it in any Honduran household. So it's yeah. I mean, I just I don't know. I, just to get right into it, I, I one day I. Um, I was waiting for a job opportunity that, that didn't actually fall through or, or it fell through, whatever. And that's how this whole blog thing started in the first place. I was baking and I was like, you know what? I want to bake some Honduran stuff. And I was like, uh, uh, what about pandeco? I just, I just made a pandeco, you know what I mean? And I put, I put the video on the Instagram, uh, opening it up. And I guess a while later, I think it was Breadmasters had put it on their account. And so I woke up one day, <laughs> I woke up and my phone was just exploding with activity. And I was like, what? I don't understand what's going on. And I see the video of me opening up the pan de coco. And um, I actually thought it was, I, I don't know if irony is the right word, but I thought it was funny that of all the things that I, I bake, you know, baguettes or croissants or all these other cultural breads, it was the pan de coco, which is my roots, that got people to, to see me. Yeah, And that was the point where I was like, well, hold on a second. You know, I've always been a proud Honduran, but I was like, well, I definitely need to kind of be more in touch with, with my roots in baking um, and try to figure out what, what, if any bread culture is there. Um, And since then, I mean, I've been super deep in the just Latin American bread scene, I guess, just talking to bakers uh, and just researching as much as possible. Um, to, to try to to try to figure out what we can do better um, as a culture in in terms of baking, but I know that was kind of long winded. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I grew up eating pan de coco. <laughs> the, yeah, well, yeah, no, I think you know, it's just I again, I think it's something different that people haven't seen before. Uh, you know that you know there's kind of been this uh, resurgence of interest in sourdough in the last few years, and yeah, definitely, and, uh, you know, certain. You know, San Francisco and California and just different parts of the country have this certain, uh, you know, there's a certain type of sourdough that people are used to seeing pictures yeah. of. But when yeah, so when yeah. they see something new that like like pan de coco and, and incorporating uh, some, maybe some tropical, you know, Latin American yeah. flavors, that's something that people are like, 
I'm like, I got to try that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's rewind a little bit back to, um, back to your roots, man. Uh, Brian, I love if you could tell us a little bit more about your background, you know, how, how did you come to be doing what you're doing there in Miami? Uh, that, that's, um, I'll try to condense it as, as long as, I don't know. I'll just go, I'll, I'll go for it, man. You know, my parents, uh, they just showed up in the Bronx, um, I think in 1980, 1983, maybe, or 1984. Uh, you know, my mom, I'm not sure she spoke much English. My dad spoke English. Um, they, they already had one child who was my older sister. And yeah, it's the Bronx in the 80s, you know, it's rough and tumble. And they're, they're just hustling to survive. Um, two more children pop out, my brother and myself. And, um, you know, we've got family in New Orleans, so we ultimately, they ultimately moved down here. Um, there's a huge Honduran population in New Orleans. Statistically, it's supposedly the biggest wow. in the country is in New Orleans. But, um, you know, the Bronx is pretty close. I don't know. Maybe it's the Bronx. But uh, anyway, so they ended up in New Orleans. And my mom used to be an accountant in Honduras. And, um, but I guess her credentials didn't really transfer and so she kind of had to start from square one. And so she went through four different universities. She, well, she learned English first and foremost, and which is amazing. And she speaks beautiful English. And um, she became a citizen of the country. She raised her four kids while cleaning houses and doing every odd job possible while going through these universities. Um, and because her goal was to be an accountant again, you know, like she is an accountant through and through the best one I've ever seen. <laughs> and, um, so while we were growing up, it was my mom going through this journey. My dad was paying the bills, you know, mm -hmm. um, parking cars, shoveling snow. I mean, he's, he is a hustler. He, yeah. he, he did everything. Um, any, any kind of job he's done it, put bread on the table. And, um, so yeah, I, you know, I witnessed my mom doing these things. I, I kind of grew up. My first passion was playing soccer Mm -hmm. I was a pretty talented soccer player in high school. And, you know, uh, I had this dream of being a pro player like everyone else and, um, it didn't quite work out. So I was like, you know, what do I do? Um, I guess I should be an accountant too. You know, I had some college opportunities to play soccer, but we couldn't afford to really like get me to those camps and all that kind of thing. So, um, there I was in New Orleans, you know, 17 years old. Um, you know, my mom, so pretty Barely. much your whole, your whole childhood, adolescence, you were in New Orleans? Um, New Orleans and a couple of suburbs of New Orleans. Okay. Uh, one is Metairie, um, uh, close to the Kenner area, which is where you'll actually find a lot of, a lot of Hondurans, Brazilians, um, Indian. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of culture out there in Kenner. Don't sleep on Kenner. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, we lived in Metairie for five years, and then we moved to um, a more rural area called Slidell, and uh, I went to high school there. I went to junior high and high school. It's about 35 minutes away from the city, but I was playing soccer in the city after school in New Orleans all the time. Um, uh, so, and then I also, I ultimately went to university back in New Orleans uh, at Loyola, which is by Tulane. A lot of people have heard of Tulane, so I always have to mention Tulane. <laughs> no one's heard of Loyola. Loyola is where the where the Tulane rejects go. So that that's uh, <laughs> hey, shout out Loyola, though. shout out Loyola. Um, so yeah, I uh, soccer didn't work out. I I said, hey, I'm gonna go get an accounting degree. Mm -hmm. End up back in New Orleans, 
um, I start working in restaurants. Uh, you know, I start working as a waiter, as a line cook, as a prep cook, as a dishwasher, uh, just everything, you know, doing my internships in accounting. And, um, you know, this was kind of when I started to realize that there was something there. I mean, I always used to bake bread for my dad as a kid and yeah. watch my mom make tortillas. I would always like, you know, hide, you know, like the traditional person that hides under the table while their mom's cooking uh-huh. and like and steals food, you know, and then, then you know, the mom slaps uh-huh. the hand like that. That's real. Like so that. she's making like traditional Honduran food. Yeah, you know, we we she made baleadas, man, oof, which is you know a coconut milk based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food. How would you how would you describe Honduran food? Oh man, you know it's funny actually. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, the best way I could help people understand it's it's almost like Indian food. Okay, there's a lot of there's a lot of rice, coconut milk, um, sorghum, uh, corn. I actually I don't know if corn is Indian. Maybe someone will correct me there, but. You know, you get these flavors with coconut milk and rice and, you know, tortillas or like naan. Naan is kind of like a tortilla. Uh-huh. Um, meat, obviously chicken and, and stuff like that. I mean, Honduran food is just this mixture of these flavors. Um, obviously, and you know, a baleada shaped like a taco. So a lot of people think it's a taco and they're, oh, is that a burrito? I'm like, well, no, it's not a burrito. It's, you know, it's beans with mm-hmm. cream and cheese and it sounds like a burrito though, right? So we got like Caribbean, <laughs> we've got yeah. uh, Spanish, we've got Native American, we've got uh, African, all these it's, influences. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's, it's, yeah, and there's the Garifunas as well, which is a, a type of uh, culture there in Honduras. I mean, it's, it's very deep stuff and I'm still understanding it and learning it and reading about it. Um, you know, I'm still kind of like diving in to figure out where I come from and, and like what, like what, what brought me into existence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, it sounds like this, this, this uh, journey you've gone down with sourdough is kind of bringing you back in touch full, kind of yeah. full circle. Yeah, it is full circle because, um, yeah, I mean, sourdough is new to me. It's, mm-hmm. it's only a three, I've only messed, I've only, I made my first sourdough culture, uh, three years ago. You know, it's, it's, uh, wow, so, okay. you know, yeah, I, I, I grew up uh, making cinnamon raisin breads for my dad with like packets of instant yeast. You, uh-huh. you would always say, hey, Brian, make that good bread. I was like 12, you know, I would start making these little pan- tin loaves, trying to do a little like braid with cinnamon raisin, uh, tortillas, making a lot of tortillas, uh, eating a lot of semitas and, and stuff like that. But um, I never I never did sourdough until actually until I moved to Miami. Really? Um, okay. And I was 20. I'm th- I just turned 30, man. When, 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 I guess <laughs> 30 minus three. That's the, that's that's my accounting skill right there. I, I that's, my, that's my accounting skill, guys. 30 minus three. How old was I? 27. <laughs> so um, I know we're kind of bouncing around the story a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I never used sourdough when I was in New Orleans. What, what would you say, Drew, you... Cause, I mean, your Instagram feed and your and your website, the recipes is kind of sourdough dominated. What what kind of drew you into sourdough? Yeah, I mean, it's it is uh, it's definitely the healthiest way to enjoy bread. That's that goes without saying. There's a lot of amazing knowledge out there right now about the you know the gut digestibility and and you know mm-hmm. it's so much like there's so much amazing stuff out there that you know I'm still tr- striving to to learn and understand myself. Um, but I do know it, it, you know, the first step, if you, I eat a lot of bread, you know, so the first step is like, if I want to eat a lot of bread, let's make it as healthy as possible. Yeah. 
Um, and obviously in Miami, uh, there's not really a grain economy. So it's not like I'm able to freshly mill flour from down the block. Uh, I use King Arthur flour, you know, it's pretty good flour. Um, it's pretty, it's a, it's a fantastic brand that's widely available and it's affordable. Um, and every now and then I'll get samples from like Maine grains up in Maine or Carolina ground or, mm-hmm. um, you know, Hayden mills, these, these places that I, like I want to go to one day. Yeah. Um, but you know, what's practical for me, like, I grew up, you do things that are practical, practical and that you can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, it's King Arthur, you know, it's great flour every now and then, you know, Bob's red mill and then these little things that yeah. whole well, yeah, you that's, know, I, I think that's the majority of us home bakers out there. That's what we're yeah, using. You know? Yeah, that's that's how you know. How else are you going to start? I think I think those are like the baseline flowers anyone that you know should should use. Uh, this you know gold medal and stuff like that. Like uh, you know, my, I go home and my mom has like a bag of gold medal or Pillsbury flour, and she's like, "Hey, you want to make some bread with this?" No. Look, man, I don't know. I don't know. Like, no, hey, man, no, no disrespect, I guess, to, to Pillsbury, man, but it, it just didn't quite work. It didn't quite work out. Um, so, yeah, that's that's um, it sounds like me, you know, uh, in coffee, co- the coffee conversation I'll have with my dad. I'm like, oh, I, I could have your Keurig, dad, but I'm, I'm going to stick with my, uh, my pour over. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm a, pour, <laughs> I'm a pour over guy as well, man. I, I've learned a lot about coffee here at, at, a, at a nice coffee shop and, you know. It's hard to go back. Yeah, yeah my dad yeah. drinks. My, my my parents drink Folgers, and I, mean, I, I feel like that's how it's going to be someday when I do get my hands on some good, like California local, uh, locally grown grain. You know, it's going to be hard to go back. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's hard to go backwards. It it is it is it is. Um, so we're talking about sourdough, kind of your first exposure to sourdough, um, and. What what makes a good sourdough loaf for for you, Brian? Oh man, mind, what what what's what's a good sourdough loaf? <laughs> is it delicious? Is it delicious, man? That that is for me. That's number one. Um, I don't want to eat bread that doesn't taste good. I don't, you know, if it's you know you if it's sourdough or not sourdough. I mean, if the bread doesn't taste good, it just doesn't really interest me that much. Um, so I don't know. I you know. If someone presented me a loaf of bread that was, uh, you know, freshly milled einkorn mixed with buckwheat and spelt and like all these things, and you had auto lease two hours and three stretching folds, and all, you know, I had all that, all the jazz, the bells and whistles, the open crumb, and I ate it and it didn't taste good. <laughs> I'd be like, dude, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm yeah. good. I'm good on that. Um, so yeah, it's got to be there. It's flavor, man. Flavor has to be key. You know, is your starter healthy enough to develop a good flavor? Are you using decent enough flour to to make a good tasting loaf of bread? Um, all you know, those other those other technical details that I just mentioned, those are fantastic things to be able to master. But if it doesn't taste good, it doesn't really interest me. Mm-hmm. Back to back to New Orleans. How, how would you say your your upbringing there influenced? your sourdough journey your your journey into becoming a baker well and then just to just to backtrack on that most i've never really had a bad tasting loaf of sourdough bread i mean most like you know if i'm if i'm networking or meeting a new baker whatever it is that they give me is usually delicious like don't get me wrong yeah. um, so i guess that you know new orleans and i'm a very proud new orleanian uh we have the best cuisine in the country period 
we, we have the best cuisine in the country. You know, I'll say that hands down. And so, you know, when I worked in kitchens there, um, I learned so much about just food, you know, French influenced cuisine, cooking techniques and stuff like that. Um, what and kind of restaurants did you work at? Uh, mostly small mom and pop places, um, hole in the wall type, you know, making sling and po' boys, I, you know, working the deep fryers. Um, I worked at a bowling alley actually that had, <laughs> that had uh, it's called rock and bowl. And I used to work at a rock and bowl. Um, they actually, you know, they grow their produce on the side and oh, really? they've got, yeah, yeah. It's a cool little place. Um, but I, you know, I was a kid, I was in college, you know, I was bouncing around jobs, just bouncing around experiences, bouncing around being a cook and a waiter, just trying to stack cash, trying to pay my bills, trying to get my tuition paid and get textbooks and stuff like that. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't, uh, I wasn't like a career trajectory cook or anything. Um, I was just trying to get my degree and pay my bills. Um, so yeah, mostly just little mom and pop places that serve cat fried catfish, red beans and rice, cornbread, po' boys on, you know, traditional New Orleans po' boy bread, um, which is usually made by Lindheimer, the, the big po' boy bread distributor out there. Um, so that, you know, striving to have the best flavor. Yeah. Um, I believe that our cuisine, you know, between gumbo, jambalaya, you know, rabbit, pot pie, whatever, rabbit, gumbo, okra. I mean, our flavors are so unique in New Orleans that um, when I when I realize I, I'm a baker, when I realize I'm not a cook, that I'm a baker, mm. um, which I can tell you that story of how that came to be. But when I realized that, um, I was like, well, how can I make bread taste the best? Because when I cook food, I want it to taste the best, you know, with, with the flavors of where we're from. Um, so how can I make bread taste the best? How can I make bread as minimalistic approach as possible? Because it's three ingredients. And, that, and, you know, that's like the big thing now, like flour, water, salt. Like, yeah, flour, water, salt, straight up. That's it. That three ingredients and, you know, some, uh, your hands, your heart, you know, put some good music on and, and that's it. You got bread. <laughs> yeah. So that right there was like, I was like, whoa, what's the, you know, when I first heard about this, you know, sourdough revolution, I was like, hey. <laughs> yeah, because it, I didn't, I didn't grow up like baking naturally leavened bread. You know, I didn't, I didn't even, Honestly, I didn't even know what that was, really, the concept of that. There's no education of that, mm. um, how I grew up. In New Orleans, in the restaurants and, and maybe the city, is, it's not like an epicenter for, for sourdough. Or... Well, you know, it, right now, things have changed. Um, you've got Bellegarde there. Um, uh, Grayson's doing magnificent things in, in, in the sourdough world there. He, you know, he's, he, if, if, if I grew up and he was doing that, I would have totally been educated and, and knew I'm, I'm, I'm so proud that that's happening in new Orleans because now there's kids that are growing up in, in the city that can have say, Hey, there's a bakery that's milling flour. Yeah. They're milling flour, man, in new Orleans, in, 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 I think he's in uh, the Hoffman triangle, like central city type area. That's why that's wild, man. That's, that's, that's yo shout out Belgard straight yeah. up. No, that, <laughs> you know? that really is going to make a big difference. I think in the next, for the next generation, because yeah. I think you and you and I were not too, too far apart age wise. And I don't, again, m myself included, you just, you know, we ate what our parents put in front of us, but we didn't Absolutely. necessarily know where our, our grain was coming from or nope. Nope. What, what is sour or what is natural leavening yeah we and, didn't know uh, about it, it's got to start with education you know and, that, and it has to really start with education. getting off the ground 
I think Bellegarde does. I think Grayson's done, and you know, and his team has done some workshops at inner city schools. Like, don't quote me on that. Um, I would have to double check, but I'm pretty sure he he's doing good things for educating young people in these urban areas. Um, I know he's done, and not to get off on a tangent, just talking about, but you know, it's it's good because it's it's the city I'm from, and I'm a baker, so mm-hmm. I know that you know they've done some stuff um, with with the governments to try to to try to talk about. Uh, bringing in good wheat and, and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super happy that there's a generation. There's possibly other young Hondurans right now in New Orleans who are making sourdough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that's really rad, man. That's dope yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So so you're in New Orleans. You're working on your degree. You're, mm-hmm. you're in the uh, restaurant industry. You decide you're going to go CPA. You get your CPA and you're doing... How long did you work as an accountant? Um, seven years, six, seven six or seven years. Uh-huh. Um, Still I, in I, New Orleans? Yeah, because I started my, um, my first internship. I started my last year of college. I was doing auditing. I was, I was an audit intern. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know why I was doing that. <laughs> And then, you know, the company liked me and they were like, yo, you know, you want to be a tax intern next semester? And I was like, yeah, you already know. You, you know, you're paying me 20 bones an hour. You already know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get my bills paid. Of course, I want to be a tax intern. <laughs> so, um, you know, from there, I graduated and I was like, uh, let me let me I'll, let me pause there because I want to kind of go back a little bit for, for to touch on a couple things before I graduated. Yeah, um, a couple of buddies and you know a couple of my friends who were cooks. Uh, they started a catering company in the university. Uh, it was called Sunday Cook Day. Every Sunday they would get students together and teach them how to cook things like rice and eggs. Man, you believe man? College kids didn't know how to make rice, so it started, <laughs> it started off as friends just chilling. But then it kind of turned into a thing where, you know, they started cooking higher level stuff. And then I was like, hey, man, let me get involved. You know, let me help out. Started doing events. Uh, we started catering to the sororities and fraternities like, you know, jambalaya pasta. Wow. And so we started making like, you know, we would set up with the chafing dishes. We would have everything prepped at home. And um, then, you know, our first big event, it was like this uh, 300 person house party with a live band. This was actually my first experience cooking with fire because I had this idea. I was like, yo let me do some tortillas, like some coconut milk tortillas. And we do like the steak grilled, you know what I'm saying? So I put, I put a cast iron pot on coal and I cooked the tortillas off on the spot, you know? So we, we were doing this whole thing. Uh-huh. We did multiple events like that. And uh, then, so I met, I met my wife, Alicia is her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we started dating. We'll just call her Alicia, you know, that's her name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I met her my senior year and I was still kind of doing this uh, Sunday cook day thing. And this is, this is when, uh, you know, and I, I think it's, she had a lot to do with it. Like, this is when I knew I wanted to be a baker. You know, this, this, this moment before I graduated to become an accountant is when in my brain, I was like, Whoa, I need to be a baker. So um, she, she comes, she starts coming over to the apartment with my roommates were chilling and we decided to have like a baking competition. I don't know why. We're like, yo, let's see who can make the best banana bread. Yo, like, 
I'm talking about tin loaf, He's straight. typical college straight guys, you know, yeah, uh, like, in the dorm room. Yeah, we was on a different tip, man. We was always, <laughs> we was always like sauteing onions and analyzing the, the, man, we was crazy, man. I'm pretty sure I was, you know, probably playing Mario Kart or Halo or something. <laughs> oh, no, we played a lot of Super Smash Bros. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. There was a lot of Super Smash getting played. But also some banana bread competition. But some, yeah, so... Uh, she she whooped me up, man. She whooped me up on that banana bread. She she tore me and tore me to pieces, man. She she killed me. I didn't know how to make a banana bread, and so I was like, <laughs> but the thing is, the whole process, I loved it. I was like, man, that was, you know, ba- that was fun. Baking as a quick bread, you know, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. And so we did a few more little competitions. But then one of the events, um, somebody was like, yo, can you and Alicia make a king cake for our event? And the king cake is it's actually you know a traditional mar i just put the recipe up on my blog actually yeah tell us tell us about that because i don't think yeah, king cake is people outside of new orleans might know what that is yeah i mean you know it's it's the it's the it's the carnival cake man it's not even a cake it's, it's basically a brioche with cinnamon and sugar and it's filled with cream cheese and topped with a royal icing and green yellow purple sprinkles got a baby inside um you know, it's, 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 it's the New Orleans bread, kind of, in a way. Um, so Alicia and I devised the king cake recipe. And we went out to the parade, started selling it on the streets, man. Started selling king cake by the slice, five bucks a slice. Cop shut us down, you know. <laughs> then, then, yeah, you know, then uh, my friend had a praline shop. And he was like, yo, make some mini king cakes. We can sell those at the praline shop. So we started hustling up these mini king cakes. You know, long story short, like, so we kind of went down this rabbit hole. Me and, you know, we were just dating. We just got to know each other. And we, we went down this rabbit hole of, like, just baking king cakes and, like, having banana bread competitions. Talking about, make, we made zucchini bread. We made some zucchini bread. And so, like, this is when my brain started to say, man, I like, no. I mean, it's, this is not sourdough. This is nothing complex. This is not plus no flour. This is nothing, none of these crazy experiences. Um, but I knew I wanted to be a baker. Mm. Um, and so to get back to the point, I graduated college and I was like, OK, well, I'm not going to be a baker. I'm going to be an accountant now. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it went down, you know, because uh, obviously financially I had to help help the family and start you know, taking care of business. Um, so, yeah, you know, I got into accounting and for the first few years as an accountant, I kind of didn't even really think about baking. And again, even though I had that kind of realization, mm. it just like disappeared, you know, and I was yeah. just. Turned it off for a while. Yeah, it wasn't intentional. I didn't I didn't know I wanted to like pursue blogging or baking or like become like I knew I loved it and I wanted to be a baker, but I didn't know what that meant. Like I didn't know I wanted to pursue it the way I'm doing it now. I just I was like, oh well, you know, got my college degree. Uh, mm-hmm. time to go sit in the cubicle, you know, start my 401k. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's then I just started being an adult. That. Quote yeah. quote unquote. Quote, unquote, unquote. <laughs> quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, no, that was definitely, you know, one of my questions. Another one of our listeners, stay at home sourdough, wanted to know, tell us about that transition in your head. What what happened that pushed you to say, hey, this is my my uh, my calling, yeah. my uh, my vocation. What brought you to that point and how did yeah. you take that leap? That That point was brought to me because... You know, I'm five, six years, six years into being, a, you know, I'm a tax manager at this point, um, you know, and through, you know, I, I did bake a little bit, you know, croissants, export croissants and stuff like that. But um, my wife 
was working as a or Alicia was working as a sales manager for uh, Sherwin Williams Paint Company. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I had a good little job, and I was you know a tax manager, and like you know we had this routine. It was a nice life, you know. Um, but after a while, it just it's tiring. You know, you get yelled at by people. You, you just you go through this corporate mechanical existence, and we were both kind of just getting beaten down. And I was like, man, this is crazy. You know, like, am I really going to just wait till I'm 60 to retire? Like, is that this don't make that? That's not cool. So, you know, we were like, look, let's move, you know, because she's also from she's from Baton Rouge. Um, but she went to college in New Orleans. So she's, you know, we, we've been in the same place our whole life. Uh, we, you know, we, we did some traveling and stuff, but we were like, we need a move. We need it. We need to pursue our passions mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and she she's now a successful personal trainer one of the best in the city because she's obsessed with fitness um but uh we were not fulfilled in, in the corporate existence and i had a friend in miami we was on some crazy stuff too i was trying to go to germany man i was like yo let's move to germany let's straight up like find a cabin and just, <laughs> like straight up but then uh <laughs> that wasn't that realistic <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we didn't like, have that We could much. do that, or we could. Or we could. So my friend uh, who actually <laughs> college with me in New Orleans, Danny, he, uh, he, he's from Miami. So he, he came out here, came back to Miami, bought a house. And I was like venting to him one day, like, dog, like, I got to move. I need to um, either be a baker or a soccer coach because I still love soccer. So I was like, mm-hmm. I, wanted, I want to like do something I like that I love. And so he was like, Hey, why don't you just move here? Why don't y'all just move to Miami, rent one of my rooms, you know, personal training, Alicia, obviously she does great here. People like that here. I didn't really know what I was doing when I got here though. I I was coaching soccer, youth soccer, and I started selling bread to the parents of the teams. That's really what kind of happened. (laughs) I started, uh, and it was tough. I and mean, we had we had some money saved, but we were we're not we ain't balling at all. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I was well, Miami wasn't it wasn't like we're gonna go to Miami because I'm gonna pursue this baking career and no. here's the job that's getting me to Miami. Right? No, not at all. Actually, it was um, it was let me go and see if I could maybe bake or maybe coach soccer, but I don't really know. I mean, we mm-hmm. took a month off and went to Europe and traveled, which was amazing. In between, you know, we went to. France and, and Italy and stuff like that. And we, we definitely uh, reap, reap the rewards of how great their bread is. You know, that had me thinking too. I was like, wow, it's yeah. nice. Um, Czech Republic, Germany and stuff. And so we did, you know, we went out there, traveled, landed in Miami. Um, it was hot. I remember, man, it was hot. when we. I remember that day we got, I was like, damn, it's hot here. And um, like a couple months later, I tore my Achilles tendon. And so I was like hobbling around, no job, no clue what I was doing. Uh, you know, started coaching soccer, like making some change. Um, but like I said, I, you know, I was at my friend's house. I started baking again. I started baking with instant yeast. I mean, this is three years ago. Instant yeast, man, straight up packets mm-hmm. of Red Star Active Dry. <laughs> and over it's, and over. It's and over. Something keeps pulling you back to bread. It's- yeah. And look, I mean, it, it's crazy. It's crazy to think like right now people, it's crazy to think that I have a blog with like processes that I guess work <laughs> that people seem to have yeah. success with that, that yield good tasting bread. 
Uh, Cause three years ago I was looking at season Adam. I was looking at his posts mm-hmm. and I was like, I, he's, he's literally the one. And I, I chat with him every now and then, you know, I remember just seeing this loaf of bread on my story one. I just made an Instagram, man. I had no followers and I had nothing. I didn't know how to take a picture. I had an old dim lighted pictures that were ugly. No clue what was going on, but I saw this loaf of bread and I was like, who's this funny English dude with this really <laughs> cool, like looking bread? And he's talking about like, it's got barley, all the, you know, all this stuff like oat porridge. I'm like, what the fuck? Oat porridge bread? Like what's this dude talking about? <laughs> Straight up. I had no clue. You know, I know how to cook. I know how to cook very well, but I was like, oh, poor. You know, I started thinking. Yeah. And and so I was like, okay, sourdough. I've heard about this before, you know, San Francisco, whatever. And I was like, let me give it a whirl. Mm-hmm. Got some rye flour, got some hot water. Started mixing it together. Went through trials and error, made a big mess. My friend started complaining. He was like, dog, you're too messy to live with me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I cleaned it up. Figured out how to make some loaves. And, and that's kind of... Um, a year into being in Miami, I was like, oh, okay, told Alicia, hey, let's start a bakery now. I think I can make sourdough. Uh, I started making a sourdough called the plantain sourdough. So, cause I was, that's when I started having that moment like, yo, but I'm Honduran. I don't want to uh-huh. use oats and, and, and porridge, man. I want to use platanos. <laughs> I want to uh-huh. use plantain. So I mashed up some plantains, I put it in the loaf. Uh, it came out. I thought it tasted good. Some people didn't like it. Some people <laughs> thought it tasted nasty. I like because a lot of people thought it tasted good, but some people because we started selling it at this farmers market. And was this uh, like your own creation, or is this like something you've you've I, eaten before? I no, I never ate it before. Um, I think I created it. I, I, I'm pretty sure someone's put plantains in bread before, but um, I decided to. Just the artisan is this like the artisan brain version of banana bread? Um, you know, it's, it's been, honestly, the, the plantain sourdough has been on the shelf for a minute. I actually haven't revisited that since, um, since we were selling bread. It's been, uh, I, I did have plans to actually revise that and revise that recipe, try to get that up, make sure it tastes good for everyone. Uh-huh. Um, so that, yeah, that's been on the shelf for a minute, but in the moment I, it was like how I was in touch with myself was by doing that one. I was doing the country, the multi-seed, multi-grain. I started doing like, the, you know, cranberry walnut, like, you know, traditional sourdough flavor combinations mm-hmm. like sesame and stuff. Um, but I was like, man, that's that's cool and all. But like, that's that's not me. You know, I wanted to do something that represented me. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we started selling at farmers markets here. I would put samples out, you know, a slice of one bread. People would walk by. Some people would eat it and be like, yo, that's nasty. Some people would eat it and be <laughs> like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like planting bread like that doesn't make sense. Um, but we were renting a kitchen. We had a convection oven. It was a disaster. You know, after four months, I was like, we got to stop the, you know, we're losing money. The equipment is not right. The setup was not correct. So we, we put a break on that. And, um, I kind of, you know, baking went back in the kind of rear view mirror, started coaching soccer more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a crazy program. I mean, just like saying it out loud right now is like insane that this whole progression happened within three years actually it's really really crazy man <laughs> so it wasn't full steam ahead it was kind of a one step forward two steps back kind yeah, of it was figuring it out was. as you go yeah it was different exactly recipes that. i was still doing freelance accounting work mm-hmm. i was doing i was tutoring phonics to kids i was coaching soccer i was uh, I'm sure there's some other jobs in there that I'm forgetting, you know, cause I was out here trying, you know, and Alicia was doing fantastic. She got to a great gym downtown 
And she, you know, it took a few months, but then she started getting clients. She started doing well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for three years, she's been going straight nonstop um, as a very successful trainer. Yeah. Um, you got a successful or you, or you got a supportive uh, partner. You know, I mean, got yeah, your back. Support is, you. an, support is an understatement. Yeah. It's it's beyond that <laughs> in, in a in a wild way. I mean, we we've so we've been together now for almost nine years. Uh, we did get married here in Miami. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it goes beyond that. And, and from the moment I had met her, she, the, I remember the first time she met my mom, my mom going to kill me for saying this, but like we, at the time we couldn't afford a school uniform for my little sister, man. Like, you know, times was rough, man. Like, you know, we was going through it and Alicia stepped up. She was like, yo, she just straight up paid for it. And she, Alicia's just college. I just met her. And we were all like, damn, like, who's this? <laughs> who is, who is this? She coming here paying for school uniforms. So like right from the get go, she showed the caliber of person that she is. And through this crazy journey I'm going through, she continuously, like, I mean, continuously just holds it down and believes in me and, and helps me like through the rough patches, you know, mm-hmm. helps me make, I make a mess in the kitchen. Like, you know, she'll let me know, but <laughs> you know, you know, she ain't that mad. Like she'll let me know for sure that yo there's flour all over the coffee machine <laughs> but um it's all support yeah well it sounds like you know i always like to talk about community on this podcast and it sounds like your wife you know is, is ground zero there has got your you know she, she's your main support system and has been kind of uh yeah that's that's pushing what you down pushing you the whole way you know and uh encouraging yeah. you to, to follow this this uh this dream you have so you know a lot of my listeners i think are on the same track you know a lot of them listen and they love to hear these stories of how people have made this decision to pursue their dream uh whether that be you know start a home bakery a cottage bakery or or sell some bread at a farmer's market or or open a uh, you know brick and mortar um what advice would you give people who are considering taking that that leap um it's hard for me to say since i'm still very young and this and i'm still leaping yeah. <laughs> i'm like I'm well, you're, you're in it yeah. yeah but i would say look man i mean if you have the passion for it and you like to eat bread um it's pretty scary it's pretty scary if you're if you know if you're talking about somebody that has like an like an engineer or something or whatever has an established career and is like you know i want to break through i want to just like be a baker you know um Cause I, you know, I do bake professionally now. Right. So it's like, um, you have to, you have to, man, first of all, yeah, I would say have a support system so that when you fail and you feel like garbage and you feel like your bread sucks and like, you feel like you can't bake, you know, how many days I go through where I'm like, I can't even bake dog. like literally like probably the bowl I'm looking at on my counter right now is I probably can't bake. <laughs> like <laughs> it's probably going to fail because I started testing things. But so if you don't have a support system that says like, yo, mm. chill, it's fine. Like, you got this. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it could prove challenging. Maybe some people can push through by themselves, but frustrations and, and like, uh, and failures and, you know, not to be cliche, but man, failure is going to happen hard. <laughs> like, like, you know, cause when we was wholesaling the bread. I didn't expect to fail. I mean, it was like, you know, cause here in Miami, we got Zach the baker who makes great bread and he, you know, he, he distributes to whole foods. Uh, you know, he's, he, he does a great thing with, with, with the baking. And I was like, look, there's not that much sourdough in Miami. 
Um, I, you know, I didn't expect that what I was doing to fail, um, what me and my wife were doing to fail, and but it did. And, you know, coming to terms with that first outing of being like, I was like, oh, you know, this cottage bakery or whatever it is, this whole, you know, I thought it was, I thought from there I was going to go all the way to the top, have the nice story of like, oh, you know, started at the farmer's market. And then like one year later, I have a multi-million dollar enterprise, like whatever. Uh, no, it didn't work that way, man. It straight up got like in the gutter. <laughs> well, I, yeah, so I, I don't think I've, I've heard that story yet. The one that you are, you know, referring to the, uh, the skyrocket to success. You know, I think over and over I've heard on these conversations that, you know, it's failure that's really driven them to succeed. And, and it's where they've learned the most um, lessons, you know, and, yeah, and uh, it was really what's pushed them to, to, you know, reach for the next step is are those failures after failures and yeah yeah failure after failure man bake bake after bake bake from bake to bake you know from idea to idea from at this point you know blog post to blog post or instagram post mm-hmm. to instagram post like what you know my following is great but what you know I'm, I'm right now i'm at the point where i'm like okay well you know people seem to like the ideas i'm putting out there but what do i do with it that can benefit Mm. my people who i am my culture yeah that's what that's what i want to do that's what i'm about i mean i don't I, yeah one day of course i would like i'm gonna own a cafe or have a bakery one day i'll mill flour you know one day i'll get into digestibility and, and and these beautiful things that so many amazing bakers are are doing right now um but like where i'm at right now is thinking like you know how do i how do i make sure that i'm i'm representing who I believe I am and who, who, who where I come from. Cause it's so important to remember like what my parents like that's, did. That's uh, what, you know, talking about, you know, and I think that was one of my questions I wanted to ask, you know, as far as your community and, you know, as a Spanish speaker, mm-hmm. as, as someone with Latin American roots, living in Miami, you know, you, do you see yourself as, as that type of pr- person with like this unique position in your community in the sourdough community um, and, uh, do you feel like that's, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not going to give you a, the, uh, like a love story. I'm, I'm going to answer no. I, I'm going to answer no for a couple of reasons. Um, I think the, the Hispanic community here I'm still breaking into is it's definitely different. It's, you know, it's Cubans, it's Dominicans, mm-hmm. it's Colombians, it's mm-hmm. Venezuelans. It's not Central Americans and Mexicans. Like where, you know, and that's when I, where I grew up, it's Central Americans, it's Mexicans, that that's kind of the core uh, group, and we are different people. We are mm-hmm. we have different customs, different speak different Spanish. We have we have different food. Um, so, and I'm I'm actually working. It's crazy. I'm working with two great Cuban bakers right now. Um, I'm you know I know a lot of fantastic Cuban people, um, but I'm still trying to understand the community here in that regard of being a Latino, of being a Spanish speaker. Mm-hmm. There's a, there is a barrier. I'll say it straight yeah. up. I mean, it's, not, it's not this ubiquitous kind of... No, uh, no it's not. I don't understand. It. Yeah, sometimes culture. I don't understand the Spanish uh, of, of older Cuban people. Mm. I'll be, you know, I'll be at the grocery store and I, I literally sometimes can't communicate with them. Spanish is my second language. I will say that, but I do understand it 100% fluently. I speak it, you know, I have got an American accent, so my speaking gets shaky sometimes, but... Um, like I said, I mean, the, the, the Hispanic population here is very different. 
Um, but we are all Latino. We all do respect each other and have, have that brotherhood feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, now to get to the other part of your question in terms of the sourdough community, um, like I said, I mentioned Zach, the baker, he's got the Jewish vibe going with the, he, you know, he had the deli out there. He's hundred percent kosher. I believe, uh, his bakery and he's wholesaling to all the whole foods markets. Um, I, I don't identify with that either. It's the, the, the strong Jewish community is very new to me as well. Yeah. I'm not used to that. And I think it's fantastic. And I'm trying to learn from this, um, and learn about these things. Um, but there are a couple other bakeries you know, Madruga Bakery's doing, <clears throat> they're actually milling flour out in South Miami. I've met with Naomi, who's the owner of, of that, and uh, they're doing great things. Um, there's True Loaf on the beach. He, you know, Tom makes great pastries. I mean, there's there's a nice little, there, there's a little up-and-coming baker scene. But yeah. I, I personally think it's unidentified in and of itself. The, as the far as like the, oh. the Miami uh, sourdough scene, yeah. is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I think the yeah, I think the community the, the bakers community in Miami is a little fragmented. Um I think it could be I think it should be more like we should be networking more us bakers here. Mm-hmm. We should we should be meeting, we should be talking to each other more. Bakery owners here. I mean, I'm not a bakery owner, but you know, but the, but the but you know, there I I feel like there just should be more of that kind of bakers community. Um, it, it, but right now it's kind of like, it's like an every man for himself, mm. every man or woman for himself, but, but rightfully so, because they're trying to, we're all trying to break ground in sourdough here. The, the, you know, the culture here doesn't really understand sourdough. A lot of the older communities here don't like it. They yeah. Don't that was something I wanted to ask you yeah, about was kind of it's, it's education not, or do people even know about sourdough? What, they, you know, yeah, they do now. Zach the Baker definitely like took the word sourdough and like exploded it out here. So people will know what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but do they, you know, this is a tropical climate. There's, you can't grow wheat here. Really you can't, there's not really that baking culture here. So it's, it's starting to get created. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to take time, you know, it's going to take time, but uh, do I see myself as someone that's like this, uh, you know, uh, community leader for Hispanic people as bakers here, not yet. Um, but I but do. You, want- I think what you're doing is connecting with people, you know. And yeah. I think they see you see you uh, leading the way in some respects as, as, that's, that's, as that's, that's, educating people on, on new uh, recipes, on new uh, yeah. types of food, new ingredients. Yeah, I mean, I want. Yeah, that's that's my goal. At this point, my goal is to say, hey, like us Latinos, like we have a culture that could be very important to the baking world, to the baking community. Um, and we should, you know, so instead of me striving to perfect croissant and baguette uh, and these things that I do love to bake, um, why not get in touch with the flavors and the, the flavor profiles and the ingredients uh, of where, you know, Central America? Mm-hmm. Why not? Uh, that was one of my questions from uh my buddy chris lem you know uh, you kind of already touched on but you know what are your what would you say are your short-term long-term goals at this point where you where you've been where you're going yeah uh, there in miami you know, right now my my mom gave me this uh quote it said uh what does it say it's sitting over there on the wall uh i think it's something like never forget where you've been but always know where you're headed and I, you know, when she, when she gave, it was a Christmas present, a little picture. 
print and, and I have it and I, and I look at it and I, and, and that's what keeps me like thinking, you know, never forget where you've been, but always know where you're headed. Like, what does that mean to me as a baker? You know, where I've been is where I come from. Literally why I'm here is because of, of what my parents did to get me here. And that's very important. Um, so my short-term goals are to like impl- inf- implement that into my blog, into my recipes. Uh, I'm a young baker, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new to baking. Honestly, I, I personally consider myself to be a, um, not a novice, but like I'm just understanding how to make bread. Mm-hmm. Um, so my short-term girl, goals are to, you know, understand it better, continue to grow my blog, continue to help people uh, see who I am and where I come from, um, and continue to to help Latino people understand that we, you know, we too can be a part of this, um, you know, Latino, brown, black, whatever. You know, I grew up, people thought I was black, like whatever, you know what I mean? Because I'm dark. Um, so any, you know, we, we are also a face of this. We have, we have rich culture in food, in baking, in the world. Um, long-term, uh, without a doubt, of course, I would love to have a bakery. Of course, of course I want to open an artisan Brian cafe yeah. and have fresh semitas and fresh pan de coco coming out and baguettes uh-huh. and croissant and rustic loaves. Like you already know, <laughs> you know and red beans and rice Mondays and catfish Fridays. Come on, man. You are, that, yeah, of course, of course. Um, where is that going to happen? I don't know. I don't know where or when that will happen. Um, but definitely that's, that's on the plate. Who's, uh, who's inspiring you right now, Brian? Your, yeah. your wife's, your wife's a huge inspiration. It sounds like man, your, you are, your, your family, your, your parents, that, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. My wife, Alicia, is, is the day-to-day engine that keeps me running. Mm-hmm. And her work ethic is insane. Like, she, she just doesn't stop working. That's number one. And obviously, yeah, like you said, my parents. My, my, I remember my mom told me that when she... So she used to take us to... Um, she used to clean houses when she was going to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we couldn't afford childcare, so she would bring us with her to both we would go to her job cleaning houses around new orleans and then we would go sit outside of her classroom while she was getting her accounting classes you know that like that was that was every day that was all the time Uh, that's how we grew up and but she told me she would be scrubbing toilets or or cleaning sweeping floors and and she would tear up and think she would pray and dream to be an accountant every day every time she swept the floor she said i know i'm going to be an accountant for years. And, and, that, and that is what keeps, I know I'm going to be a good baker. And, and if I use the inspiration from her, that like those words that she tells me, she made it, man. She, dude, she got her a kind degree. I think she was 45. I, I forget, mom, sorry. I know you're listening. But I, I forget, she 45 something. She got her degree, man. And she has a great senior accounting job because she believed, man, she, she grinded. She raised four kids. She cleaned houses. She did everything. Um, that's my inspiration. That 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 man. She learned English to do this. I don't have to learn a language to do what I want to do. I don't have to. I mean, I don't know if I'm gonna have kids or not. But I don't have to raise kids doing it. I don't have to clean houses. You know, I have everything on a plate given to me. Given, given. It's 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 already habit. That's my inspiration. You know. Sounds like you have some some strong 
inspiring women in your life that uh, have made all the difference. Yeah, that's true. And shout out to my two sisters. Just got to, you know, so they can, <laughs> they're going to listen to you. My sister, very strong, very strong women as well. Uh, you know, very talented artists. My, my little sister, actually, look, yo, the, uh, the my, all my logos, my little sister, uh, she designed that. She, she's a graphic designer uh, with like a marketing minor. So she's doing great things. Very inspiring. She's about to finish college. And then my older sister, you know, she's a photographer and she's helped me understand, like, you know, you see these pictures I'd be posting with portrait mode. She helped me understand, like, how to get good perspective on these. People ask me, like, yo, who's your photographer? I'm like, it's an iPhone now. Because back in the day, my, my pictures was raggedy. <laughs> yeah, boy, you, if you scroll down, shoot, you go to Arson Brown. You scroll, you scroll don't go too down. far back. In oh, the- don't go too far. Don't go too far. But you're going to see some questionable, like, poolish Loaves like some like some like pale poolish base loaves. You don't you don't see some. <laughs> Brian, we we are uh, filling up this hour pretty quickly here, but I wanted to um, well tell tell me real quickly though about you know Instagram community. How is that? How has the Instagram sourdough community Yo, affected your sure, your role, sure. your your journey? Uh, that you find yourself on yeah I'll, I'll try to do it quick first yeah i already mentioned you know season adam people like him being mm-hmm. so inspiring with like not just the bread he was posting but the the way he talked about it just like something about him and you know these other bakers that were you know mauricio obviously who has the perfect the perfect loaf right mm-hmm. the blog. um yeah i could go on and on you already know you probably follow all the same people i do and you probably see how amazing um, it is to see these pictures. Um, on the other hand, now that I'm kind of, um, it's like I get messages nonstop and comments. It's as if I'm one of them or something. You know what I mean? As if I'm one of those people I used to to look up to. But the thing is that people will message me and say, "Hey, I I want to get big holes in my bread. How do you, you know? How do you get the the big holes? How do you get the big crumb? How do you get over and over again?" And I'm not, I'm not the guy, you know, I, I, I tell them, Hey, look, I, I can do it. You know, I posted pictures with nice holes in my bread, but uh-huh. I'm not the guy to ask how or why I'm doing it. That's not why I'm baking. Uh-huh. So I wonder, you know, Instagram, social media in general is a dangerous, uh, mm. it's a dangerous situation. I mean, you know, my wife's a personal trainer that, you know, you already know in that industry, it's, it's crazy what, you know, you post pictures of the body and oh, yeah. you do all these things to get ahead. But I do feel like in the baking world, a lot of young new bakers are put are discouraged because they're not getting open crumb. Well, that, like, that was maybe it sounds like you're answering a question from uh, my buddy Humble Bakehouse. He said, "What's your biggest pet peeve you have within the bread community?" Yeah, I like Humble Bakehouse, man. Uh, that, that's, that's one of the boys. You already know. Um, I don't want to say pet peeve because that it sounds as though I'm being like authoritative or like looking down upon certain things which i don't look down upon open crumb uh, it looks beautiful of yeah. course i don't look down upon any kind of bread what 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 seems to concern me is the amount of new bakers who use instagram that think if they're not getting open mm-hmm. crumb they have bad bread yeah yeah that's the thing that's kind of and i don't want to call it alarming like it's not that serious it's just bread <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's not like a public health crisis or something but it's like, yo, I mean, people need to know what you bake is beautiful. Every loaf mm-hmm. you bake is amazing. You are yeah. baking. Appreciate what you do. Your, your efforts are, uh, they're your efforts. They're, they're what you made with your hands at that time. So, like, enjoy it, eat it, share it with your friends, and, and just improve every day. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I've got a couple of questions uh, from my listeners if you, if you want to yeah, take yeah, a swing man. at them. Yeah, for sure. Well, tr- not gonna try, they're not trying to stump you or anything, but um, <laughs> yeah, we've, answered a, we've, we've answered a quite a few already. But uh, uh, Stacy D314, uh, she you kind of touched on um, Miami, you know, not being kind of the culture where you grow wheat, but she asked, you know, what, how does humidity impact your baking? How do you compensate for that? Has that been something you've uh, come across? <laughs> of, course. of course, actually, I'm doing a lot of um, research on that right now because I'm, I'm working on something for, for Latin American bakers who are in these sub, you know, these tropical climates. Um, mm. I, I'll just give you a short answer right now because we're short on time, but humidity, humidity is a beast. <laughs> humidity is, is rough. I mean, it, it, your leaven, your starter will, it'll freak out it, you know, it, you'll feed it and it'll be ready in, in two hours. I mean, you, you know, it kind of just throws you out of whack. Uh, how do you compensate? You can inoculate your, your feeds low, like lower percentage of sourdough. You can, um, you know, put your AC on or dehumidify your house. You know, you know, there's hex. I'm not a science guy, man, but I know, you know, you open your window a little bit, put your air on a certain temperature, it kind of helped the air circulate a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you already know, man, it gets really hot and humid here, just like it does in New Orleans. Um, and it, it can just throw your dough temperatures out of whack. I mean, so if you want to bake, if you're baking for fun, I would say just roll with it. But if you're, ba- if you want to like sell 20 loaves at a farmer's market or give some loaves to a friend, then you're going to have to start kind of keeping an eye on like, okay, I just fed it. It might be ready like pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's the short answer. Well, I had about three or four questions, five questions here. You, you've, we've kind of brought them up all up, but, uh, I guess on a non-bread related note, I had a handful of people, uh, notice your, uh, Arsenal hat. You're yes, sir. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, actually both of them were named Josh, my brother-in-law, a big Arsenal fan. Yeah, man. Uh, he wants to know who's your all-time favorite Arsenal player. Thierry Henry, TT Henry, TH14, without a doubt. That's how, that's the only, that, you know, I was a kid, young, six years old. I don't even know. And, you know, I used to watch the World Cup, obviously, big soccer family. But one day, man, I saw Thierry Henry tearing it up. Dennis Burkham, all these cats. And, you know, I'm American. We don't have pro soccer. You know, the the MLS was like in its infancy, if it even existed. There was no soccer team for me. You know, yeah. so it's kind of a cop out, but it was the, you know, and that was the position I played. I was always an attacking goal scorer and I scored a lot of goals. So I was like Thierry Henry, no brainer. So I even had, you know, the Arsenal little, the tattoo on the oh, arm. Oh, no. There. That's, that's <laughs> little stuff right there. If y'all want to. Uh, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not going to pretend I'm, I know what I'm talking about. Both of my brother-in-laws are from uh, Tennessee uh, and. You know, one's the Liverpool fan, one's the Arsenal fan. Okay. They've been okay. trying to get me to to get on board, and one of these days, I'm gonna. I'll have to pick a team. How did you? How did they become your team? Yeah, I mean, it was just that. Literally, just watch. It was on the TV one day. I was a kid, and I was like, "What team is that?" That's. I think that's how most American fans pick a team. Yeah. And you know, hey, American fans, holler at me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> pretty sure, pretty sure y'all were just watching the game. It was like, "Yo, I'm be a Liverpool fan." And you're a Liverpool fan, so that's what it is. I'm not going to pretend I have some connection or some intellectual reasoning behind this. That's what it is. I'm pretty diehard, though. Um, we play Tottenham tomorrow, coincidentally. I may or may not be crying. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> well, Brian, hey, what, you got any 
projects, things you're, you're working yeah. on that you want people yes. to know about? I do want to touch on this really quick or, you know, if we're short on time. I'm working on something. I might even be out of my league, man, uh, straight up. But I'm working on something that I think is pretty big that seems to be that people are interested. In. And I'm doing a online course in Spanish um, for Spanish speakers on not just how to make sourdough bread, um, but, you know, how to implement your culture into it, how to I'm trying to do research country by country in Latin America to see what, what is the, what is the situation? What is the grain situation? How can I help some random home baker in, in Bolivia or in Mexico? Cause they, you know, they, they message me. How can I help this person make good bread? I, I don't know what kind of flour they have access to. I'm trying to figure it out. And once I figure it out, I want to make this course say, Hey, you know, if you, you know, I want to have a little guide for them. If you're in this country, check out this brand of flour, check, you know, go, try to find this, uh, flour. It, it's the best that you could use in that situation. From what I understand, I'm reaching out to bakers uh, in Honduras that I know family members. I'm reaching out to Guatemalan bakers. I'm reaching out to all kinds of people, friends. Um, hopefully I'll even be able to travel there and, and firsthand see more of it. Um, and a lot of, a lot of what they want is how do you bake in hot, humid conditions, with low protein flour and so anyway, so the project in itself is that I'm filming a great course that will be available hopefully in a couple months. Um, you know, it's, it's very aggressive work that I'm doing right now. Um, brushing up my brush, making sure my Spanish is on point. Um, you know, all the, you know, it's my second language. I have to fearlessly just dive into it and let people know I'm trying to help them because, um, you know, I am them, you know, and, um, it's kind of big. And so obviously with my blog, I'm going to be uploading new, recipes and trying to continue to build that. I, I, I do have a, a, a whole wheat pan de coco recipe I'm working on with another Instagram baker, Nicole, up in Chicago, um, that which should be cool. And yeah, just putting new stuff on the blog, trying to help people make delicious bread and trying to stay in touch with my roots um, is, is the root of all of my projects. Well, it sounds ambitious, but it sounds like you got the the drive, the passion, and the and the support system and uh, in place to to help you accomplish it. And are you teaching classes down there too? I, I uh, yeah, oh, yeah, you know that, that. Yeah, I I, I am doing my first official um, sourdough workshop next month. Um, sourdough for home bakers. How can uh, uh, people sign up for those? Oh, it's right on my website, man. It's uh. I don't know what I even call the se- section. Uh, it's like book book a class or something like that. Um, if you're in Miami, um, you can sign up right there. I got some people in uh, Boca Raton interested in me doing a class up there, which is like a couple hours away from here. Okay. Um, they're, they're, yeah, there's there's little interest in me doing some in-person workshops. So I'm definitely exploring that as well. Um, obviously, I'm working two full-time, two, two baking jobs, which is essentially like full-time. And I, and I am actually still coaching youth soccer. So my, my plate is very full. Um, projects are everywhere. My head's everywhere. I made a hat, I made a shirt. Yeah. Um, you know, some people are interested in that. I just did it. Cause like, why not? Um, I'm doing consulting with bakeries here, helping them make sourdough bread. I, I'm doing a lot. I'm just trying to just throw myself into every aspect of this and, and, and just make it work. <laughs> how can people connect with you brian what's the best way instagram yeah man instagram's great i definitely try to i don't care who you are but if you message me and ask me a question i am doing my best to get back to you english spanish mm-hmm. uh man i've even gotten portuguese and french which i speak 
broken basic versions of those languages, but I try. So if you need to message me or comment, go for it. You can, uh, my email's on there uh, as well. Um, I do have uh, like Pinterest and, and these other uh, mediums, but Instagram is definitely the, the best way. Okay. Well, hey, Brian, you're a busy man. You've been uh, such uh, an inspiration to a lot of people. I've really enjoyed talking with you this last hour and yeah, just hearing it. your story and, and uh, super excited to, to follow along. And uh, you just sounds like you're just getting started. So Yeah, hey, man, I'm just revving my engines, man. <laughs> I, I just turned 30. It's a new 20, bro. You, you already know. <laughs> so I'm just, uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm just getting started for sure. Um, and I'm trying to catch up. I'm trying to I'm trying to get up there and meet all these people that I used to just look at. You know, I'm trying to meet them and learn from them. That's that's what it is. I'm coming. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm coming. <laughs> I'm trying to mill flower too. You know. <laughs> you know. Um, so that's that. All right. Well, hey man. Best of luck and have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy your evening and uh, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, brother. You take care. Good.